I want my wife to start the service by quoting what you got when you were studying. I'm ripping off one of her main points for the breakfast tomorrow. The one about his presence does one thing and then his the. Oh. Um, I have to think now. <laughs> um, I need to look at my notes now. You got me here. Well, while she's looking, go to John chapter 7. And uh, I want to read something to you about the promise of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus said in verse 37, On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus is in his earthly ministry in Jerusalem, and it's a big festival, and they're in the last day of it, and he stands and cries out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Now this is... Uh, talking about an overflow. He says, He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow, look at that, rivers of living water. You know, here in St. Louis, where this is being broadcast from, we're in a river city. Can you name some of the rivers we have around us? Missouri River's right over here. It came in the building one day. Illinois River, what else? Can you spell Mississippi? You blew it. Anyway, and then what other rivers? We have one more? Merrimack, Merrimack yeah. We've got a lot of rivers and a confluence of rivers. And, uh, you know, then there's there Quiver River and all these other beautiful tributaries. And, and uh, I like the idea of, of water that flows. Uh, some of the float trips I've been on where you get out in the center of, the, of the, those smaller rivers and the, they're so deep the water's blue, you know, and it just moves so rapidly. And, and um, you know, God's waters are pure. And uh, this is actually, he's using a human reference of, of living water, moving water, to talk about the Holy Spirit. He says, but of this he was speaking of the Spirit, verse 39. But this he spoke of the Spirit, uh, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So uh, I love the, the idea from the book of Joel, chapter 2, where he says um, that the Holy Spirit, in the, in the last days, the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all flesh. And uh, your sons and daughters would prophesy, your young men would see, a vision, or, yeah, see visions, your old men will dream dreams. On male and female, he'd pour out his spirit. So this is quite an important and beautiful and wonderful thing that God has supplied for us. Amen. And, um, uh, and not a thing, but the person, God the Father and his son Jesus, the Holy Spirit. Yeah. To have the Holy Spirit in your life, uh, Jesus describes it as living water that would overflow. And I want to live in the overflow. I don't want to live the barely get along, scraping by, you know, a little, you know, a half glass, half, half empty or half full. I, I, this basically is what David said, my cup runneth over. Yeah. Some things are best said in the King James. Everybody say, my cup runneth over. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't that roll off the tongue? Yeah. And, um, you know, we live in a dry and weary land where there is no water, but he's, he's our source. And, uh, you know, I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Pastor Patsy, do you have that quote yet? Yeah. All right. 
The power helps you do. His presence helps you become. You hear that? So God's power helps, helps us to do. His presence helps us to become. Uh, we get around him, personality traits rub off. Yeah. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. You get around the master and you learn his ways. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, the power uh, he gives us to accomplish the mission that's on each designation of our lives. Yes. Right? Yes. You know, you're coming into an environment where we absolutely believe that we have a part, part to play. We're not just randomly floating through life um, just, trying to, just trying to get along. We actually are under assignment. And Jesus calls us things like the light of the world and the salt of the earth. He calls us his ambassadors. Through Paul the Apostle, he said, we are ambassadors for Christ. We're making an appeal, you know, for people during this earthly life to get their focus on the Lord. During an election year, diesel prices up, food issues, finding out that hackers are attacking water uh, supplies, things like that, stuff we've been praying about for years. Um, You know, hackers have been attacking water supplies all along. It's the devil who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But the Holy Spirit was sent to equip and empower us. And in fact, it says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and I love this verse so much. He said, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even the remotest part of the earth. So we are... um, invited into this uh, equipping. And, you know, we're not to be oblivious uh, or ignorant of it. Let, let's go now to 1 Corinthians. Did I tell you chapter 12, verse 1? Did I say 14? Well, I want to do 14, 1, but I want to do 12, 1 first. We're talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's December 1st here, and in a few weeks, we're going to be exchanging gifts. That's the what we do at Christmas, you know, it's, a, it's the season of giving gifts. But I'm telling you, God is the giver of perfect gifts. James chapter 1, every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift comes from above. So God's gifts are perfect. So why would the Bible be talking about things like prophecy and the gifts of healing, the working of miracles, speaking in tongues, things like that, if they weren't pertinent and relevant uh, then throughout the Middle and Dark Ages, all the way up till modern times, because Jesus never changes, he has given us these uh, gifts for our equipment and for our help. And it says here in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be unaware. One translation says uninformed. Another says ill-informed. King James says ignorant. You know, people say ignorance is bliss. No, it is not. You don't ignore things. You, you, you don't get in denial. We face things, and we learn, and we develop. He said, my people perish for lack of knowledge. His people perish for lack of knowledge. So information is important. Intel is important. And having clear, proper, uh, biblical understanding will give you amazing biblical results. And we are to study to show ourselves approved unto God as workmen who need not to be ashamed, handling accurately and rightly dividing the word. Something's really happened to me. I'm, I'm even reading from my opponents and the people that I don't agree with my v- conclusions. 
and I'm, I'm, not as, uh, 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 I'm not as thrown by it now. I'm, I'm learning, you know, to be, more, I guess, more confident or more mature as, I'm, as I've, I've gone with God. And this is rock-solid, rock-steady stuff. He came to give us varieties and uh, to spread or proliferate or generate out throughout the church body so that we would not be a uh, depleted bunch, uh, but we would be a, uh, an equipped and empowered bunch on, on, on handmaidens and bondservants, so male and female, on all ages, young people, uh, middle-aged people, senior people, little kids. You know, we, we're going to have this Christmas production, and there were loads and loads of kids. And uh, the musicians were talking, and... Uh, and I, I said, boy, doesn't it sound great in here? All these kids were running around. And, and, and Holly, our worship leader, she said, it, it sounds like home. It feels like home, you know. And, uh, I mean, Pastor Virgil's daughter and son-in-law brought their puppy. So, you know, it's, it's like a, it is like home, you know. And, uh, it, it, and, and, and I just, I, you know, I hope you brought your, your shouting shoes and your... your, your uh, your dancing clothes—is that it? Or, or shouting clothes and dancing shoes? I don't yeah. know. I heard that. I heard preachers say that. I don't even know what it means. <laughs> but I hope you brought them anyway. Because God doesn't want us to be ignorant of these things. He wants us to understand the nine gifts of the Spirit, and they—they they start in uh, verse eight, and it says these are these gifts are given for the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. God uh, loves the body of Christ and wants all of us to get in on, to buy in, to be committed, to be servants, to participate. Uh, par- we have a part, and that's the root word for participation. Yeah. That's also the root word for partner. And uh, so it's quite important uh, that we, in our mentality, gain some understanding in that and acclimate to that. We're not just isolationists. We're not just, this isn't a one-man show. It's not a Lone Ranger deal. It's a body of Christ, and we're all in this together, right? And it's according to the proper working of each individual part that will cause the growth of the body and the building up of itself in love. So I think we're at our best when we go to the living water and we drink. We, we first drink from the wells of salvation, um, you know, like he said in John 4 to the woman of Samaria, that you drink this water and you'll never thirst again. But then he said something a bit different in chapter 7 at the feast, and he said, you, you'll have an overflow of living water. It'll, what'll, what'll start as that new birth will continue in the infilling of the Holy Spirit and then the outflow of the, the supernatural uh, things that he's designated you and me to operate in. Amen. While I'm preaching, I'm telling you to get ready because God will be calling on you and he'll be prompting you. Yeah. And, 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 and usually it's their subtle promptings. Um, but I've found that when I act on those subtle promptings, sometimes magnificent things transpire, little simple things, and you act on them in, in obedience, and they have great outcomes. And you, you look back at the end of the day, and wow, you marvel that God uh, was engaged in your, your, uh, your daily life, yeah. right? Yeah. And you carry that awareness. Um, hopefully, you're carrying it in a church service, but you carry it at work, and you carry it at play, and you carry it when you're, you know, shopping, and when you're interacting with people, when you're, you're, you're driving down the highway. You just, you have this God-inside-mindedness where 
Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and you've been bought with a price, and you're to glorify God in your body, and you're, you're to, you know, whatever you put your hands to will prosper, and you, you put your hand to the plow, and you, you don't look back with regret or with yearning. You, you keep your eyes on the prize, right? Paul said, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Oh, there's some things on this message that will, uh, you know, as I'm preaching this, it's going to hopefully inspire you, but also prepare you so that you can be available to the Holy Spirit and pick up that phone and make that call, text that text. Um, I watched uh, videos last week of the... uh, the, the thankfulness, you know, the, the night of giving thanks. And uh, Carrie Pulliam and Mike Pulliam, they talked about uh, feeling, sensing those promptings. And she had a surgery, and then it precipitated a blood clot. She didn't know what it was. Her leg was really hot and sore and red, and Mike was concerned about it. And she, she woke up in the morning. She said it was like ticker tape going through her head, uh, and it said deep vein, vein thrombosis. So she Googled it. And she found out it was a blood clot that, that can be very menacing. And so she immediately called a doctor. She got an appointment. She went in there, and, as they, and she began to explain what her circumstances were. And they, and they said, they asked her, are you a doctor? And they, she said, well, no. She said, well, where did you get all this information? She said, God, you know, and uh, think about that. And be like, oh, wow, can, tell me how to tap into that, you know. And I, well, we are learning how to tap into that. We go to Jesus. He saves us, he forgives us, he washes us white as snow, and then he creates a climate where we can be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So these gifts, you know, it says that they're for the common good. So verse 9, or verse 8 rather, it goes into these gifts, word of wisdom to another the word of knowledge according to the same spirit, to another faith, the gift of faith, special kind of faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same spirit, to another the effecting of miracles, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. Now we... You know, we understand prophecy is important. We're to, in fact, it says in chapter 14, verse 1, we're to pursue love, but we're to desire earnestly spiritual gifts, right? Yeah. And, and especially that we may prophesy. The New Living Translation of that verse says, let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire special abilities the Spirit gives. Let love be your highest goal, we're to, we're to love people, we're to be kind, we're to care about others, we're to be empathetic, we're to be compassionate, we're to have charity, we're to be, we're to be sincerely interested in the welfare of others. That The golden rule reloaded over and over again, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. But you should also desire special abilities the Spirit gives. We should actually earnestly desire one translation says covet earnestly spiritual gifts especially uh, the ability to prophesy prophecy is not my message tonight but it's the telling forth of what's on god's heart it has to line up with the scriptures 
and uh, it's focused on Jesus, and it's uh, it's uh, insight into what's up ahead. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. So I actually want to talk to you about speaking in tongues, praying in tongues. In fact, I've got four points on the benefits of praying in other tongues. First uh, Corinthians 14, 1 through 2, as I just said, it, it tells us when we're speaking in tongues, by saying that prophecy is more significant than tongues, uh, it doesn't diminish that tongues are not important. In fact, why would they be in the Bible if they weren't important? And uh, it, it, when you speak in tongues, this verse tells us we're not speaking to men, but we're actually speaking directly to God. Yeah, so it is a prayer language that is direct toward God. And this is not in my notes, but it also says you give thanks well. So praying in tongues is so um, untainted. Yeah. It's not soulish. By that I mean it's not conjured up. It, 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 it's a... It's a, it's a kind of a preserved and protected expression. And uh, we can't mix in our agenda on it because yeah. we don't know what's going on. Yeah. And the Bible says this, when you pray in tongues, your spirit prays, but your mind is unfruitful. Yeah. So that's why intellectual logic-oriented people kind of like sometimes have a hard time with seeing the value of it because what's the point? You know, are, are we just doing babe, gibberish and baby talk? No. God will not give us a gibberish or a baby talk. This is, because it's biblical and because you see examples of the use of it, uh, we, we have to contend with it if we're going to be biblical people. Yeah. You know, and, I, and I've even talked to, you know, uh, the theologians with, uh, with uh, doctorate level theology that uh, are, that, that, that though they don't practice these gifts, they, they acknowledge that they exist. There are three categories of uh, theology here. There's a cessationist who believed they all passed away once the Bible was canonized back in the beginnings of the early church. And then there are continuationists. I just heard this is a new word. And where we believe the gifts continue. And then there's a middle ground. They're, they're like continuationists, but they're cautious. Uh, so I feel like there needs to be an understanding of these things. And um, so that we can uh, ascertain what to do and we can proceed. You know, God, if this is, you know, uh, like Peter said when Jesus is walking on water, Lord, if that's you, bid me come. Yeah. Jesus said, come. I think that's a healthy attitude of Peter. It's like, I'm not stepping out of this boat because I know that water tension is one thing, but it doesn't support a big old fisherman from Galilee. You know, except it's supporting him. So if that's you, I'm coming. And he stepped out and walked on water. And I totally believe that literally happened. Hallelujah. And I believe that tongues are for today. And um, it's you're speaking directly to God, unfiltered, unhindered, unselfish prayer. Unfiltered, unhindered, unselfish prayer. And number two, when you pray in tongues, it's a spiritual activity. And it reminds us that we, in fact, are spiritual beings. You know how one time they asked Eric Clapton what his first addiction was, and he, without blinking, he said sugar. So, you know, people say weed is a gateway drug. He's saying, no, man, sweet tarts were a gateway drug. 
You know, I appreciate his honesty. You know, he, he said that was the beginning, the first drug that he got all zapped by, and then he wanted to try everything else, I guess. But getting back to a better example, I believe tongues is a stimulus to make us aware of the realm of the Spirit. John 4.24, Jesus was speaking to the Samaritan woman at the well, and they're going back and forth about, you know, how do you worship God and what mountain and what approach. And Jesus boils it down by saying something so deep. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. My mom and dad took us to all kinds of different churches. One of them was a Christian science church. And they dropped me off in the, uh, this was one-time visit, and dropped me off in the... Uh, Sunday school, and I was a little vulnerable kid. I was already feeling awkward, new kid on the block, and new church, and, and there was a man that was teaching the Sunday school, and everybody's sitting at a you know, school desk-type situation, and you know he's walking around, and he's saying the stuff that he's saying, and he said, uh, what is God, it's Tammy? And Tammy said, God is mind. And then uh, went over to some other people, and he was sharing stuff, and I felt creeped out, you know, I was just kind of like, not really, I felt creeped out because I was new there, but, you know, and I had asked my mother, what is God like, mom? And my mom said, well, God is a spirit. And I remembered that. So when it came, he looked at me, he had got this all staged and had all these other kids say this. And then he turned to the new kid and he said, "Uh, what is God? And I said, uh, God is a spirit. I mean, and, and I, I wasn't trying to be defiant or counter what everybody said. I, I just, I didn't get the whole God is mine thing. And I just remembered what I had asked my mom and what she had told me when I said it. And I'm telling you, it, the, the man threw back and hit the wall. When I said this, to him, I just thought, and all the kids were looking at each other. It was like, and he was, he was stunned. And I don't know if he was mad that I was countering what he was saying, but it, it just seemed, well, like it was God's word, and maybe he reacted to it. Everybody say, God is spirit. spirit. And then he said, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And praying in tongues is a spiritual activity. And in fact, one of my favorite ideas is in Proverbs 20, verse 27. Proverbs 20, verse 27, makes a description about our our basically essence of who we are the spirit of man is the lamp of the lord searching all the innermost parts of his being now let's just think about this for a minute and look at this god is spirit right and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth then jesus said in john 3 that which is born of the flesh is flesh that which is born of the spirit is spirit So there is a spiritual rebirth that kicks everything into gear. Because we were dead in our trespasses and sins, so we were spiritually dead. When we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, it's better than defibrillator paddles. It's like a new beginning. It's, It's as real as when you were conceived and you were birthed out of your mother's womb. There's a spiritual birth. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, but then each person gets the opportunity to be born again. 
And uh, the Bible says you must be born again. So that is, a, uh, that is an experience that occurs upon receiving and believing and trusting in Jesus. When repentance and surrender to him, it's by his grace alone. We're saved by grace through faith and that not of ourselves. And that saved is another word for a spiritual rebirth. But then as we go, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it it underscores this point of our three-part nature, the nature of humanity. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord. Now, let me say something to you. I love music. always have. As far back as I could remember. And so does my wife. We, we, you know, music is something that God gave humanity, and it's, it's special. And um, I guess some of my favorite music from my era in the early 70s was funk, and it was R&B. It was blues. And that's, in fact, the basis of even the British invasion, that they caught, captured some of the blues of the American South, and then they brought it back through their processor and then brought it back to America. So it was, a, you know, a, it, it was interesting. But, but, but some of the music, they call it soul music. And um, for good reason. Uh, it, 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 there, there is... We are spirits, we have souls, we live in bodies. There's toe-tapping music, you can hear uh, uh, bluegrass, and you'll see people with fiddles, and uh, they're some of the greatest musicians in the world. Uh, mandolins, banjos, guitars, upright basses. Uh, so the guy blowing a jug, you know, it's just amazing. And uh, I've been in places where bands captured a skill with the element of the soul, when they would go into a, a jam, and um, they had developed something that I think God created for humanity to experience uh, a, a higher and better place uh, flow in life. I, I, I don't want to get too far out there, except that there's also anointed spiritual songs. There, there are spiritual songs and hymns and spiritual songs. So there's soulish music, and there's nothing wrong with it affecting your soul. But if it's strictly soul, then it's just soulish. There's nothing wrong with having a soul, having cognitive skills. Your soul would be your mind, your emotions, your will, your thinking faculties. And the Bible says not to lean on that. But it also says not to dumb it down either, right? We're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? So we're not to dumb it down. God's not anti-intellectual. God's not anti-education. So we need to judge Scripture with Scripture and understand this whole thing. But we are spirit, we have souls, we live in bodies. And even the verbiage of 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And it doesn't say body, soul, and spirit. And I remember hearing the, the leader of our Bible college point out that he said he often finds carnal Christians put body, soul, and spirit, but really... God aspires that we acknowledge, first and foremost, we're spirits, we have souls, and we live in bodies. And that there's an importance to this, not just semantics. The devil wants us to flip it so we're mainly fleshly and leaning on our understanding and occasionally operating spiritually. 
And God actually wants to sanctify us entirely so our spirit gains the ascendancy. I hope this makes sense to you. And even in that mind science group when I was a little kid, I didn't know it. Looking back now, I realized Mary Baker Eddy took the church down a course uh, of calling God mind. No, he's a spirit, okay? And, 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 and uh, so uh, I'm, I'm not picking a fight. I'm just making a point so you can understand why praying in tongues is so beneficial because we are spirits, we have souls, and we live in bodies. And why would God bother to design praying in tongues if it wasn't important to him? And because I believe these gifts are still for today and are to be sought after and to desire them earnestly, we might as well go after it. In fact, he says, let love be your highest goal, uh, but you should also desire special abilities the Spirit gives. And so it is such a good thing. And so Hebrews 4.12, um, I, I remember hearing a, a, a comrade of mine, he was preaching a message, and he said, um, the times you get in the flesh or the times you get soulish, or the times you don't really know what to do. He said, double up on the divider. He made this phrase, and it just resonated with me, because it's based on this verse, that the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and is able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Listen. God, his word, will help us to know and differentiate if that's just the flesh or if we're leaning on our own understanding and we're being soulish. God doesn't want the church to be soulish. You know, you young parents, um, you're raising your kids, and, and it's like you, you, you observe things about them, you sense things about them, you're so close to them, you birth them, you raise them, you see them all the time. But even then, it's like, but God yet show me spiritually what their destiny is, what their gifts are. I see some tendencies here, and I sense some things, but what's your spiritual perspective on their spiritual future? You know, you say that when you're dating and you're, you're, you're processing and courting. It's like, we are spirits, we have souls, we live in bodies. So you're attracted, you, there's, a, there's a romantic component you have um, in your souls, you, you, you enjoy... Uh, the, the, your discussions and the, and the way you make each other laugh and you enjoy it. And that, that's really, that's awesome. You, but there has to be compatibility, spirit, soul, and body. You got to, you know, you, they, they got to make your liver quiver. You know, that's the body. But that's not everything. You got to also be on the same page spiritually. That's why the Bible says not to uh, be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. And that man, you, you got to marry somebody that's going to go the distance with you with God. Yeah. You don't missionary date and missionary marry. Well, they'll eventually get saved because it might just drag you down for the rest of your life. So uh, we are spirits. We have souls. We live in... I love this church. Um, I come every week. I'm gonna, I even come to all three services on Sunday. And uh, because I, I like what God's building here. And I, I'm, you know, I'm open for correction. And God's word will take you to the woodshed. But he says, you know, you're already pruned because of the word. His word, um, it, it makes distinction. Like, I, I know God, God has helped me to know, oh, you're in the flesh. That's the flesh. And I also have a, a Holy Spirit assistant, my wife. She'll help me out with that too. But, but uh, and I help you out too. Yeah, we do. 
But the word, uh, like I'll, I'll be in a situation where I'll think I'm hearing from God, and, but I'm not completely settled on the decision that I want to deploy and take action on just yet. So then it's like, so I'm going to double up on the divider. And I'm going to go spend time in the Word. I'm going to read wisdom scriptures. I'm going to, you know. And, and in fact, this teaching on these gifts is it's stimulating me to desire special abilities that the Spirit gives. You know, we're to desire these things. We need them. We need that discerning of spirits. What am I dealing with here? Am I dealing with somebody that's mentally ill? Am I dealing with somebody that has a demon? Am I dealing with somebody that has been damaged by life? Am I dealing with some... some am, I, am, is, is, am I just leaning on my own understanding? Am I being manipulated? Or am I being led by the Holy Spirit? Does that make sense? Well, praying in tongues strengthens you spiritually, reminds you of who you are spiritually, and you're sowing to the Spirit. When you sow to the flesh, you reap decay. But when you sow to the Spirit, uh, it is super helpful in our process of maturity and growth. It, praying in tongues is totally biblical. It's of God. It, God uses it uh, strategically uh, in prayer, for prayer. Um, it's in Romans 8.26. This is my third point. Romans 8.26 it says in the same way, uh, also, the Spirit also helps our weakness. You ever get in a situation, you go, how do I pray about this? We do not know how to pray as we should, but the Holy Spirit, the Spirit himself, intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And there's this internal groaning. Creation is groaning. We even groan within ourselves, it says earlier in Romans. But this is a reference to the helper helping us in our prayer life. And I'm going to tell you, I pray with my understanding. I pray with my, in the spirit. I, I pray in tongues often, all through the day, through the night, while I'm driving, I'm coming to church, I'm in, in between conversations, because I've found it to be such a reliable and sufficient aid that God has supplied for the church. And it is such a magnificent and holy thing. Now, down the road, I'm going to teach on tongues and interpretation in the church, and I'm working on that so we can understand that. And, uh, you know, there's a whole issue there with the, the, that needs to be presented but I'm, telling, I'm talking right now about the value of praying in tongues. When you understand it's biblical, you go for it. You know, you, you, Again, cessationists will argue that it's passed away with the apostles. I absolutely disagree with that conclusion. And I'm totally convinced from decades and decades of study and prayer and experience that this is uh, available for us today. Last and definitely not least point. Praying in tongues edifies the prayer and builds you up. 1 Corinthians 14.4 The one who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. The one who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Everybody say edify. 
Now, I heard it said that that's similar to, how many of you have cell phones with uh, rechargeable batteries, and you see the little, the little thing up on the top, and the icon, is it goes red, and then you have 6%, and you're on a really important call, and you're both crying and <laughs> apologizing for 30 years of strife, and then it goes, <laughs> you know, you need to keep your battery charged, right? And uh, praying in tongues does that for the believer. That's part of why I do it. It's part of how I'm here. I'm telling you, I attribute a lot of being able to still stand to this precious gift. And uh, the Greek word for edify is oikotomeo, oikotomeo, and it means four different things. Number one, it means to be a house builder. So when you speak in tongues, you, you become a house builder. You're, you're, you're building. Every house is built by, all, uh, by some man, but the builder of all things is God. And we're to build. And this is so, it, praying in tongues is actually uh, uh, a building type of operation. It causes uh, development. It causes growth. Another translation, another definition is to construct. So it's constructive. And it, it's to create and to put together. I'd rather be constructive than destructive. We could use our words and be very negative and, be, and tear people down and hurt things and be, besmirch people and belittle and so forth. But man, praying in tongues is never any of that. It's always constructive. It's always uh, uh, building. And in fact, another one is to confirm. It means to support or establish, to make firmer. So I, I, Paul said, I thank my God I speak in tongues. And... Uh, when you pray in tongues, you build yourself up. Uh, what is it saying? Jude, uh, what is it? Jude 20? Jude 20. Jude 20 says, but you, beloved, uh, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God. Now, Jude is even throwing in his hat into the ring. Is it Jude 20? Yeah, Jude 20. But you, beloved, uh, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. That, that is uh, my interpretation of that. My view of that is it's a, ref- a direct reference to speaking in other tongues, praying in tongues. And so it's not spooky. It's not like you're getting a, in a trance and, and God's taking over your mouth. It says in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and it's something really powerful. It says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Now, was the Spirit making them speak in tongues? No. The Spirit gave them the utterance. They were doing the talking. It was their tongue. It was their lungs. It was their mouth. It was their cognition. It was their awareness. And God invites us into this thing, and it's really pretty breathtakingly wonderful. And I mean, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the new birth. I'm not ashamed of the word of God. And I'm not ashamed of the spirit-filled experience either. And, and, and when you see this and you understand speaking in tongues is scriptural. And it, it's good for, we, we are to seek after it. Anybody that's serious about seeking after the truth will find its purpose. And that's why I shared these things. It's recorded how edifying it is that, uh, when this, when somebody speaks in tongues, uh, you know there's there's so much help, and uh, it, it brings encouragement. It brings 
it brings, it's very gratifying. And, uh, and then it also stimulates us and I think stages us and prepares us and uh, to move into these, the other gifts of the Spirit. Let's all stand up on our feet. And uh, this has been so good. We are now, uh, I want to I wanna just, you guys, let, let's, let's just finish the service with a prayer. Let, let's lift up our hands toward heaven and say, Father, I believe, I receive all your provision, your abundance. You've given me gifts, talents, and skills. You put a calling on my life. And Lord Jesus, I'm trusting you to help me to explore, to obtain, and to operate in everything that's available to me. All of the benefits. I trust you. I'll not be deprived. I'll not be denied. And from my position, I will not ignore these provisions. So I'm trusting you to help me to get solid in these things and walk out the the will of God and carry on by faith and see great breakthrough in my prayer life, in my spiritual walk. I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. And I'm trusting you to help me so my spirit has the ascendancy that I'm not in the flesh so much not just leaning on my own soul but my mind is renewed my body is submitted and my spirit is dominant your spirit bearing witness to my spirit that still small voice that inward witness that guidance Your word being a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. Your Holy Spirit being my teacher, guiding me into all the truth, delivering me from error, helping me to make great choices, to stay in the game all the way to the end. Longevity, sustenance, provision, abundance. My God shall supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory, by Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's finish with this song. Let's finish with this Holy Spirit song. This is good. And hold-